Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll tell you guys, I've been on a little bit of a weird recording schedule lately where I think last week most of the episodes were done a day or two in advance. And now today I finally didn't. So I think it was like a four and a half, five day stretch where I wasn't recording. I don't know. It just feels like a long time. For all of you, it feels like exactly the same amount of time. And so this is the dumbest intro I've done in weeks. Anyway, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. This is a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Another fun week coming up. We got guests, continued guests this week, and kind of a legendary week on Fantasy NBA Today because at some point this week, we will have Aaron Bruski who we had uh, on Friday's show last week. We want to try to make this now kind of back to the good old days when we used to do it once a week. Uh, we'll talk to Josh Lloyd. And coming up on today's show, in just a few minutes, we will talk to the great Dr. A, Steve Alexander, who, listen, I think if any of you are remotely close to my age bracket, that means that Dr. A probably played a role in getting you guys into fantasy basketball. I still remember reading his stuff on Roto World as I was working my way through uh, undergrad, 20-some-odd, 20 years ago, roughly. It's always fun to talk to Dr. A, and there is that little bit of starstruck moment because it was first Steve, and then it was Brew, and then all of a sudden, whatever it was, 10 years later, I'm reaching out to one of the two of them, getting into fantasy sports, and now I get to talk to both of them. Pretty damn cool week coming up here. We're also going to talk to Adam Stock this week, who is just a brilliant punt strategist mind. He does other stuff, too. I don't want to try to sell him short on that front. But if you're thinking about punting, that should be a really interesting show. I think that's likely going to be tomorrow. Also, at some point this week, we will dive into some real draft results as those are coming in. My, my own, I should say. Uh, as well as... The Dan Bespris Old Man Squad, that's coming in at some point this week. So this is a huge one. This is the last full week before the basketball season starts. We're eight days from opening night. I know that's not really... It's a little bit of an anticlimactic moment because there's only two games on opening night, and then the first Wednesday, nine days, is kind of when things really get going. But uh, that's also that those first two days are when there's always one guy that pops up that nobody realized was going to play 28 minutes a night. So we got to be ready for that. As far as today goes, um, hello, welcome to another week. I think this is off-season episode 131, but who's counting? Uh, and I wanted to just quickly touch on a couple of things that I learned via uh, Twitter questions over the weekend. And to that end, do follow me on social media. It's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. But I hadn't had any cash drafts that had happened yet. Only mocks. And mocks are okay. We've done, we do a show every year discussing what the benefits and downsides are to doing mocks, how many you need to do, what types. You can kind of roll them all together to get a good idea of where guys are going, but you just don't fully know unless you can pull real draft data that is connected time wise to when your draft is happening. So over the weekend, I threw out a couple of very simple questions, and thank you to everybody that put responses to them, of basically, look, here are some guys that we don't have a great idea of where they're going in drafts. 
at this point, a lot of it is fairly well ironed out. No, like, uh, we know James Harden is going mid-first round. There's no point in me saying, hey, where did James Harden go? Because everybody's going to say four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. Not interesting. But there are a handful, four, maybe five guys, that are going in earlier spots and are bouncing around a little bit. And there's a couple of guys that are going later, and because of Yahoo sort of moving X ranks around later in the game and because of mid-offseason trades, we don't really know where they're going either. So I put some questions out there, basically asking, where is LeBron going in your drafts? Where is Tyrese Halliburton going in your drafts? Where is Lowry Markkinen going in your drafts? And then this morning, I threw Evan Mobley in the mix. I didn't think he was going to need to get in that, but Mobley was in the 40s, then he moved up into the 30s. Now it seems like he's moved back into the 40s. So dad is still coming in on that one. But what we learned about, you know, for instance, Tyrese Halliburton, is that he really is, in real drafts, going anywhere from about 3 to, like, 19. That's a really big early draft window to have a guy fall in. And sure, I'd like to have Tyrese Halliburton, particularly in a 9-cat roto league, because you guys know I don't land on uh, points all that often. But what you can actually take away from that is, look, you're going to look at an ADP of a guy, and for Halliburton, his ADP is at 15. It's been slowly rising. If it's settled, it would probably settle somewhere around 12. But that doesn't actually mean he's going at 12 in every draft. Because by looking at the real ADP information, we're now seeing that there is this big spread, and the average truly is the midpoint of all of that stuff. So you might end up in a draft where he makes it back to you at 15 or 16. You might end up in a draft where he goes at 5. You just need to be ready. With LeBron, it's a little bit similar. I haven't seen him go in the first round pretty much ever, even in these real draft results. It's basically 13 through like 25 for him, which is a nice span because it basically just tells you he's going in the second round. If you want to get LeBron, you got to get him in the second round. And I am kind of, in a weird way, leaning his direction this season for the first time since like, 2015 or 16 he was getting overdrafted for a very long time and then all of a sudden his free throw number came back and that's pretty much what his value has always been tied to he's an early to mid first rounder when his free throw shooting is decent he is a second rounder or a late one even when his free throw shooting is bad i'm willing to believe that what happened last year is something he can continue and then the other name I threw out there, which was Lowry Markinen, it does seem like he's settling now into the 80s. That was most of the replies. Markinen going in the 80s, that would put him as like a late 7th, early 8th round pick. And I do believe, and I, you know, there's going to be some punt stuff or uh, tank stuff going on, I should say, with Utah. But overall, he's a guy who's going to see plenty of playing time out there. That's a team that's not desperately trying to win ball games, so he should have a lot of freedom. And we saw last season, this is... Like, the forgotten note on whatever you want to call last year. Larry Markinen on a per-game basis, was actually quite good last season. He was number 71. I mean, he's getting drafted back of that in a place where he's probably going to get to do more. I don't know that his rebounding is going to go up, because if Vanderbilt is out there, or, I don't know, Linux, Zeller, Walker, Kessler, whatever... Now, they've got, they've got some options in Utah that can play at spots in front of him, but when those guys are not on the floor, he will slide up. He will go get a couple of rebounds. 71 feels like a pretty safe spot for Mark, and if you're getting him in the 80s, 
there's a little bit of ceiling there, too. So I like it. But anyway, you've waited long enough. You didn't come here to listen to me talk about where Laurie Markkinen is going in drafts. You came here because the title of this episode has Dr. A in it. Well, as I already said earlier in the show, this is a special day for me every season. I'm going to try to make this happen more often. The legend, the man himself, Dr. A, Steve Alexander, thank you so much for coming back on the pod, man. It's so cool to s- I get to see you while I'm recording, but it's so good <laughs> to get to hear you also. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, we got one more week of this preseason business, and then uh, then we get to start the real deal. Yeah, I think we all... It's weird, like, it it seems like it should be crazier when the games are actually happening, but I think this is, at least for me, this is the craziest time of year. I'm guessing it is for you, too. Yeah, I mean, there are certain days, you know, uh, NBA draft day is always a big one because you got 60 guys, you got a blurb about three minutes apart, and then uh, free agency madness, trade deadline madness. But, yeah, uh, the beginning of the season – when everybody wants to know who to draft and when, um, that's always a busy, fun time. It, it's fun interacting with people and doing drafts and, and looking at ADP. It's not so fun watching a meaningless preseason game where none of the stars <laughs> are playing. And then having to blurb about it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's get through that. We've almost made it, but before we do... Uh, This has become sort of a a rite of passage now, the annual Nine Cat Industry Mock, and it's also become a little bit of a rite of passage for you to randomly draw the second or third pick in this thing. I don't know know how this keeps happening, but we know who you're going with in the first round. I don't want to spend too much time on it because the world knows Steve. By the way, you can follow Steve on Twitter, at Dr. A, D-O-C-K-T-O-R-A. He's, of course, the man at... And I'm hearing, by the way, that you guys are now both NBC Sports Edge and Roto World again, which is really nice. That makes it so that I won't screw up the name as often. But also, like, Roto World is what I grew up on. So that's great news. But anyway, you're the Luca yeah, guy. Yeah, dude, I, I just say Roto World now. I'm, I'm back to just saying Roto World. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Until somebody tells me differently, that's, that's what I'm rolling with. Oh, good. So if I say Roto World, you, you'll be okay with that. Yep. Okay, sweet. So you're the Luca guy. You've been the Luca guy for a while now. Um, I don't like we we talked about Luca before. So what I'd like to do actually is ask you what you would have done if you didn't lotto into this second spot in this draft. Like let's say Luca was off the board. Who are your first round guys behind him? Well, I'm going to ignore your question for a second and say <laughs> I'll allow it. You know, had I got had I gotten the number one pick in this draft instead of number two, ooh, like I did in a twenty team uh, industry league that we're also doing on fan tracks. That is the draft that will never end. I think um, <laughs> I went ahead and took Luca at number one, and then oh, of course my Twitter because that's very controversial because everybody's like, dude, everybody knows Nikola Jokic is number one, like. I was getting things on Twitter like, are you just doing this out of spite? Or are you doing it to entertain yourself and amuse yourself? <laughs> or do you really believe that you can win with Luca at number one? And it's kind of a combination of all those things. I believe you can win with Luca at number one. Is it the safest choice? Am I going to tell everybody listening here, if you get the number one pick, uh, don't think about it. Just take Luca. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think if you get the number one pick, you know, the book says you should take Nikola Jokic. But um 
you know, I do this for fun. I do this to enter, to entertain myself. And, and I like having Luka Doncic on my team. And if you don't get, you know, pick one, two, three, or four, you're not going to get him. Uh, so I just went ahead and took him at number one. I think you can win with Luka at number one. Um, if I don't get a top three pick and cannot get Luka, I think in a points league, I'm looking at, like, let's say you get the number four pick in a points league. I think there I'm looking at Ja Morant or Joel Embiid. Um, I kind of like going Ja just because he's super young, super athletic. Yeah, he's had some ankle issues in the past, but generally he's much less of an injury risk than Joel Embiid. Uh, so I'm I'm leaning like Ja Morant in a points league. Now, if we're talking about a just a standard redraft league, um, the guys on the table are, are Giannis, because Luca's probably gone. So it's Giannis, Kevin Durant, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, did I say Luca? I meant Joel Embiid. No, I said Giannis. So Giannis, KD, Tyrese Halliburton, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid. Like one of those guys, I think, is who you're looking at at, at four or five. And Ryan Canales has been a big proponent of taking Tyrese Halliburton at like five. And at first I was, I wasn't on board fully, but the more I look at it, the more I think about it. Um, I really like Tyrese Halliburton early in the first round. And I'm a little nervous about the Pacers tanking for Wimbanyana because yeah. they're going to. Uh, <laughs> but can they still effectively lose games and let Tyrese Halliburton run around out there and go crazy with his 22 points and 10 assists? I think they can. And I think Pacer fans are kind of kind of uh, going to demand that because he's the face of the franchise. He's the next Reggie Miller, you know, as far as Mr. Pacer goes. And I think the Pacers feel pressure to make sure he's out there on the court. I think there's enough young, um, undeveloped talent on that team that they can, they can still lose games and let Tyrese do his thing. So I kind of like Tyrese Halliburton early. Um, I guess that's where I am. You mentioned Jaw in your points league discussion. You actually went Jaw at 23 in this draft, so you give me a nice segue into the second round. That one actually was a little bit controversial also, Um He's a guy whose ADP has been bouncing all over the map. So um, what's the thought process behind Morant? Was it uh, a pairing thing? Because you put him with Luka, you're, you're pretty much steamroll about four or five strong, very strong categories. Do you think he takes another step forward? Do you think the, the injury stuff subsides a little bit? Walk me through Jaw late second. Well, people have asked me, if you get Luka in the first round, who do you take in the second round? And I think if you got Luka... Uh, you're already sort of behind the eight ball with with free throws and turnovers. And John Morant is not great at free throws. He's not great with turnovers. <laughs> and it just sort of fits together. And, I mean, if you have Luca and John Morant out there together, you're just going to roll people in, in, like you said, four or five categories. Um, and they're both super fun to have on your team and to watch play. And it just seemed to make sense, like, I just decided at that point I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the free throw and the turnover punt and not worry about them, and try to draft good players whose ADP and 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 ranking is low because of their free throws and turnovers, and just try to stack my team that way. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I was actually going to jump over your third round pick, but before we went on air, you mentioned that you'd actually kind of like to kind of want that one back a little bit. Uh, you went Scotty Barnes, and you said pre-show you'd probably go Rudy Gobert if you had to do it over. How come? Yeah, because he fits that mold of of the free throws. Plus, he locks up your blocks and rebounds. And you know, Luca and, and John Moran are both going to get a lot of rebounds. Um, and Scotty Barnes honestly hasn't looked that great in Toronto. He didn't look that great last year. I mean, there's so much potential there. The the ceiling is unlimited, but he he hasn't been great in the preseason. He 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 was his name is kind of bigger than his fantasy game right now. But I, I still think Scotty Barnes is going to develop into a into a real stud. But looking back on it, I, I sort of wish I would have taken Gobert instead. Yeah, Gobert, a pretty safe third-round pick on top of everything else. Um, your fourth-round pick is an interesting one. I think this was before they announced that he was their sixth man. Do you care? And this is Christian Wood, end of fourth. Yeah, well, you, you guys know I'm wearing a Dallas Mavericks hat that you can't see right now, but <laughs> I'm a big Dallas guy. And, uh, you know, whether it's JaVale McGee or... or uh, Christian Wood out there, they're going to be running pick and rolls and two man games with Luca all day long. I think both of them are going to be really fun players. Um, you know, JaVale, you should be able to get at the very end of your draft, which uh, you Christian did, by Woods. the way. Yep. And Christian Wood is young and, you know, his free throws are an issue. Like he fits the mold for the team I was building. And I, I'm excited about him. Like he's had some really nice games off the, off the Dallas bench as a six man, I think he's reinvigorated to be playing for a team that, you know, has a chance to really go far and playing with Luca. I think he's really going to like, and, and Luca's going to like playing with him. I wish Christian Wood was a little bit better defensive player, but I like him coming off the bench as a six man. I, I don't, I don't really care. And was this also sort of leaning into the free throw issue that your yeah. team had? Yeah. Um, yeah for sure. We'll take a brief pause here in the middle of our segment with Steve. I want to remind you guys that the Brewski 150 is live along with projections. It is unreal. The Brewski 150 has upwards of 20 targets that other analysts have completely missed. Many of them not even getting drafted. This could be the year, folks. This could be the year. We'll talk to Brew about it again uh, a little more later this week. Head to sportsethos.com. Check out the projections. They all work in conjunction over there. The draft guide is pretty awesome. There's like 44 features in it now, including the B-150, including the projections. We got points league ranks. You got auction information in there. It's got everything you could want. Second year breakouts, third year breakouts, busts, sleepers. You guys know the drill. Sportsethos.com, Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, or you guys can just follow me. I'll be retweeting a lot of that stuff. It's at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Go get the B-150. It dropped over the weekend. It's officially in your hands. If you'd like it to be, you should right now. So Alperin Shangun was the next pick. Fifth round. Um, little earlier than he's been going, but not by that much. And, like, I mostly just want to lay this one out for you to talk through because we know the fantasy stat set with Shangun is kind of ceilingless if things all come together. We know that he's going to have a ton of opportunity. So I'll try to get more specific with my question asking, what specifically do you think in his game 
takes that jump forward for year two because we can all see the outlines of it. He can pass, he can rebound, he can steal, he can block shots, he can do pretty much everything. But which one comes first or which ones come first? All of it. Uh, he's super young. He was disappointing last season. You know, he came off, came off the bench behind Christian Wood all year. Well, that's Christian Wood's gone. Um, the Rockets are one of the most young and exciting teams in the league. They're going to be tanking it up, trying to get Victor Wembanyama. Uh, but I, I think as as often as we said last season, please set Alpi Shangun free. They have to this year, and the center uh, tiers drop off pretty hard not too long after this round. So. Yeah. I really, I like taking young players with upside. And I mean, that is Alperin Shingun. And it just seems like he can't fail this year in Houston. So it, it just seemed like a good time to take him. Some other guys that went in that round, like Zach Levine and Brandon Ingram and OG Ananobi, John Collins. And I, I just give me the upside. By the way, I want to thank you for picking like every, uh, buzzy name so this is going to be this podcast is going to be just loaded with hashtags later (laughs) so you know this is another one it's funny i was thinking about maybe skipping your sixth round pick because it just seemed very reasonable to me but right before we went on air you said that a lot of folks were kind of giving you guff about this one and that was michael porter jr at 71 which seems pretty darn close to where he's going in most drafts and we know when he's good i mean the end of not this most recent season but the last one he was sitting near the edge of the top 20 when healthy. Uh, now, not everybody was there at that point, but still, that's a that's a far cry from 71. Uh, why are you taking heat for Michael Porter Jr. here? Is it just the injury bug? I don't know that I'm taking heat for it. Um, we just did a, a Round Ball Stew podcast right before I did this, and one of the things we talked about was Michael Porter Jr. and his... Oh, man, I just I deleted all those... All those I deleted it. Let me <laughs> let me pull it back up. Um, one of the things we talked about was MPJ and his uh, ADP is 62.5. And what did you say I got him at? 71. So, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty good about it. And the thing is, like, once once Michael Porter Jr. falls far enough um, in your draft, the risk sort of becomes net, uh, it doesn't matter because the ceiling is so high for this guy. A lot of people think he might win comeback player of the year this year. If he can stay healthy. Now he's always had back problems. That's what kept him out last year. He's looked really good so far in the preseason workouts. He's still healthy. He's ready to go. Um, he's a big part of what Denver needs to, to have success. And I mean, if he plays in 65 games, he, he should be, an absolute monster and be like, I think if he's, if he's healthy, the worst he's going to be is like a third round value. So to get him in the sixth round somewhere around there, like I, I just think you're stealing as long as he doesn't bust like he did last year. And even if he does, you've only used a sixth round pick instead of a third round pick to do it. And I think you can overcome losing a sixth round pick just by, Scrubbing the waiver wire. Yeah, you know, I'm actually slightly pro-MPJ in this range anyway, and I think you pushed me from slightly pro-MPJ to even more pro-MPJ. There's just, like, 
he's not hurt right now. He's coming into the season <laughs> set to play. It's a, it's a different monster than if someone was coming into the year and they weren't expected to play in the opener. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I get it. He, he got drafted late second, early third last season, and he missed pretty much the entire year. So there's kind of this bad taste element that drives a player's number down. Um, seventh round. And now you're really getting into the fun ones. Jalen Smith, early seventh. Uh, he's interesting, too, because didn't he recently have his Yahoo pre-rank moved down the board? I didn't understand that one, really. Uh, he feels like a actually kind of a safe play, weirdly, for a young guy, even. Wouldn't you think? Well, it's interesting. We just talked about him on our, our Rambo too as well. His ADP is 123 in Yahoo. Yeah, it's so crazy. I kind of reached for him. And, and, you know, my buddy Noah that was on the podcast with me was talking about how at first when the Pacers announced that Jalen Smith was the guy that was going to start for the Pacers, uh, everybody kind of got excited and like, ooh, this this is going to be my sleeper this year. He, he's going to pick up right where he left off last year. Well, he came into camp kind of banged up. Um, his preseason games have not exactly been head turners. But I don't really care. I mean, he's young. He's playing for the Pacers. They're going to be right there with the Rockets and the Jazz as far as the the tank of Palooza goes this season for, for Victor and the Pacers can play Jalen Smith all they want and not really worry about um, winning too many games. But I, I think he's another guy with a huge ceiling. He could, he could average a double double this year. He's super young. He's never really put up monster numbers consistently in the past. So I don't think he's, he's young enough. I don't really feel like he's a big shutdown candidate for a team like the Pacers. And he just seemed like he was, um, that was the right time to take him. I wanted to get him before somebody else did. Uh, but looking back on it and looking where this ADP is, maybe I could have waited a round or two. But I, I don't think with this group we were we were drafting with, he would have still been there. Yeah, and I don't – I mean, this year more than ever for me it, – it's weird actually for me to say it. And the listeners have heard me a few times. Most years I'm going for like the nice easy hit, the first five, six rounds, and then I start to get a little bit wild seventh, eighth round – I'm actually in favor this season. I don't know why the board has stacked itself this way, but I think you can start to take swings earlier this season. And so, you know, when you get to the seventh or whatever it is, you shouldn't really worry that much about whether someone's going to get back to you. If you like them, you just go get them. So I I have flipped this year. I don't know if it's going to stick for next season, but I have flipped for this year. I'm very much in a go get them mode. Uh, and so you're actually the perfect podcast for that. Um your next one is one that's actually less about a go get him thing, more of a we didn't even really know where Colin Sexton's ADP was going to land at this point. This was like pretty shortly after all the weird Utah stuff was going down. I think this would be pick 95, and I feel like that's relatively close to where he's now going in most drafts now that the dust has kind of settled a little bit. Um, I have no problem with this. Feels like a really easy play. The Jazz signed him to a long extension. Um Figures to be a large part of what they're doing, doesn't he? It he does, and um, you know, before we talk about him, this whole thing about reaching for guys, you know, if you see a guy you like in the sixth round or whatever, just go get him. It's interesting because the last draft that we did, the last industry draft I did, which was a regular, um, it was a Yahoo draft. It was it was an hour and a half long. It, it wasn't one of those slow ones. It seemed like every 
everyone in that draft was reaching for their guys. And it used to be like, I, I felt like I was the guy that was always reaching for my guy. I mean, I write a <laughs> column called my guys that I reach for every year. And it felt like everybody was doing that. And it, it, it hurt my feelings a little bit and I didn't really enjoy it because they were reaching for guys that I was going to reach for. And that kind of made me mad. So I, I think that reaching for a guy you really want is a lot more common today than it used to be. And I'm not saying I'm, re I'm responsible for that at all, but I, I may have had a small influence on, on that ideology. But as far as Colin Sexton goes, um, he shoots free throws a little better than most of the guys on my team. So that was kind of a misjudgment on my part, but to your point, he's in Utah. They're going to be tanking it up. He should be allowed to go out there and, and do what he does. He's a volume guy. He's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to turn the ball over a lot. Um, but he also should have the ball in his hands a ton and really has a chance to step up and be a leader on a team that doesn't really have a leader right now. And, um, I think a pick in the nineties on Colin Sexton is, is kind of a, kind of a no brainer. Yeah. That one feels like a pretty easy hit. And by the way, speaking of going to get your guys, your ninth round pick, which was three, three slots later. So this is 98, uh, was Trey Jones, who at this point in a lot of leagues was going at like 120, 130. Now he's going in the eighties and nineties. So yes, I think you can give yourself a little, little credit for this. Because you, I think, started this Trey Jones wave this year. Do you still... All right, you know what? Let me change my question here. Would you go earlier on him now that the market is kind of catching up to what you were already doing two and a half weeks ago? You know, I don't know. I don't see many guys in front of him that I, I would have I rather taken. Um, maybe I would take him instead of Sexton. Maybe I'd reverse those two. Maybe I would take one of the rookies, um, Jabari Smith. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I, I got sold on Trey Jones by, I got brainwashed by Jared Johnson about <laughs> Trey Jones, um, back in probably like July and it just stuck with me. And I'm like, Jared's right, man. Like this guy's got to run the point in San Antonio. He's got to be a force. Um, he, his numbers when he started last year were really pretty solid and, you know, he should take another step forward this year. And I, I was like, man, I've got a, I've got a nice little stable of point guards going. I've got Trey Jones. I've got um, John Morant and Luka Doncic. I, I feel pretty good about that. So, I mean, I felt like that was where I needed to take Trey. If I was going to, if I was going to get him in a league that had, you know, these guys that are in this league, Jared is in that league. Uh, Ryan is in that league. Josh Lloyd. There's a, a, you know, everybody in this league knows what's going on. Jonas is in there. So I, it wasn't like Trey Jones Jones was a big secret. So I I felt like it was the right time. Yeah, speaking of Jonas, actually, he uh, dropped a big compliment on your 10th round pick here. And I think this might be the last one we talk about today, just as we're running out of time. Uh, and that's DeAnthony Melton. He was the guy, Jonas was like, I got most of the late picks I wanted to in this mock. He had uh, a Kongwu, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Williams, Jalen McDaniels. He was like, the one that I didn't get doc got and that was melton in the 10th are you as bullish on him as jonas is probably not but i knew jonas was going to take him and i knew <laughs> i kind of wanted him and and i was on rick camla's show uh maybe two weeks ago and camla was 
I had taken Melton in Kamla's dynasty draft and, and Kamla was like, I was good with your team until we got to Melton. And then I was like, didn't really understand what you were doing. And I go, Rick, pull, pull up his stats and look at him. He pulled up his mm -hmm. stats and he's like, I didn't realize he, he was this good at threes and steals and he gets some blocks and he does this and he does that. He's like, I'm sold. I, I love the Anthony Melton, but also, you know, we've had um, the beat writer for Philly. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. We, we had him on, on the podcast back over the summer. And one of the things he was talking about was DeAnthony Melton and, and that DeAnthony Melton is going to be a glue guy that so, sort of holds things together when, when the superstars are, are not, when, you know, when James Harden's not out there. So I really think Melton has a chance to take a step forward this year. And also, he contributes in so many categories that he's he's oh he racks he can't up hurt, he can't hurt your team yeah he's wonderful and he's not being coached by Taylor Jenkins who's going to just magically give away half his minutes on any given night I mean you get Doc Rivers tends to be a bit more consistent in what he does I, I like it I like it a lot actually I just was curious if you were as as pro Melton as Jonas or if he had you by a nose it sounds like he's got you by a nose but still generally positive is the overall feel and yeah man i'm fully on board with it all, all we've been wanting for two years is for him to be in a place where he can have a role and it's not getting yanked around on a night-to-night -night basis um and again 10th round dude i mean you, you yeah can't, like what's what's the risk he went he none went you know, one pick after Lonzo Ball, I think. So, yeah, I'll take it all day. Or, yeah, they're right in that same wheel. Yeah, at this point, I mean, these are all, the, at the end of a draft, this 10th is not, I guess, the end of a draft, but starting a round pick, 90, 95, you get into these guys where you're you're choosing between upside or a floor. You're not going to really find many guys that have both in this range. So, Go upside. What the hell's the like? You, who needs a floor guy at pick one hundred and twenty? You you want guys that are doing more than that for you on a night to night basis anyway, and that yep. is kind of the story of your team. You didn't take a ton of floor guys. Uh, you took a lot of upside dudes, and that makes for really good, really good podcast. Uh, and so the you know going all the way back to the beginning, tying it all together like a curb your enthusiasm episode. Maybe <laughs> you're doing it to entertain yourself, but. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting names on this team. And I also should point out, I probably should have said this at the outset, um, you were drafting like this was more a head-to-head -head than a Roto League anyway, right? Yeah, that was a Roto League though, right? It was, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's a mock draft, so... Yeah, it, and I, you know, I don't, I didn't even realize it was a Roto League until like halfway through because the, the, the reality of it is you can't really tank both free throws and turnovers and finish last in those two categories and expect to win a Roto League. You can right. finish last in one and maybe win, but you really don't want to finish last in, in any categories in a Roto. Uh, but if it, the way that team's built, if those guys all stay healthy, I mean, I, I think that team can compete. Uh, we, we'd be bad in free throws and turnovers, but maybe not last. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, last question for you, Steve, and then I'll let you go. The second round this year, after not really looking like it was going to be this, has then turned into this again. And the this that I'm referring to is a whole bunch of uh, kind of red flag guys with interesting upside got bunched together. You've got Kyrie, you've got Anthony Davis, you've got LeBron, you've got Kawhi Leonard, you've got Paul George, Jimmy Butler tending to slide more towards the third, but you could throw him in that mix as well. Um, 
how do you deal with that dilemma in the second round? I, I haven't really gotten a consensus on it yet. Some folks seem comfortable diving in on some of those guys, and others say, you know what, I don't really need to because I see some guys going eight, nine slots later that I feel more comfortable with. Where, where do you stand on that second round dilemma? And did you mention LeBron James and, and uh, Anthony Davis? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, it's kind of it's kind of scary in the second round. And also it goes into the third round, too, because um, it, it's just sort of messy around there. And, you know, as we've already pretty much clarified, I like taking young guys with upside. I'm not a big fan of taking an old guy um, with injury history like. James Harden really scares me. Kevin Durant really scares me. Paul George scares me. Kawhi Leonard scares me. Anthony Davis scares me. But if any of those guys stays healthy, they're going to go off and carry your team. I mean, Kawhi Leonard only needs – he can miss 25 games and still carry your fantasy team because he's so good. Um, and I think probably the ideal thing to do is balance – the young upside guys with a couple founding father type guys. Um, <laughs> but I don't like having any of those founding father type type guys on my team because they just, they scare me, man. Like I even Shay Gilgis Alexander, how long till the thunder shut him down? They already um, have. <laughs> yeah. He's already here. Although I did, I did read today that he's supposed to play on opening night. Uh, but yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of scary things going on there, but you know, there's also guys available in round two, like Ja Morant, DeJounte Murray, Anthony Edwards. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is available in round two a lot. Devin Booker. Yeah. Like, I think I'm cool with guys like that. I'm going to take them before I take the, the old scary injured guys. Yeah, that's basically what Bruce said on Friday's show also, which surprised me because he's usually much more of a, a riverboat gambler. But that tells me just how frightening these old dudes are. Uh, Dr. A, the one and only Steve Alexander, I'm going to let you get back to, I guess it's kind of your night, even, even if it's daytime, uh, Steve, you know, uh, before, before we, before we wrap this yeah. up, it, it was funny the other day when, when, uh, you sent that thank you note out for us having you on our draft show Yeah, and, uh, what an honor it was. And like, you wrote this really like heartfelt thank you appreciation note and Jonas is like well we only asked you because we needed somebody <laughs> to draft the old scary guys yeah uh, that's the Dan Vesper's way <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny so I, th I think somebody like you is more comfortable maybe drafting Anthony Davis or a or a Kawhi Leonard and somebody like me is not and it's just those are different draft philosophies and and both of them can win so um, it's just, just the way it is. There's yeah, nothing I, wrong with drafting a, a, an experienced guy with some injury uh, problems. And one thing that saves me in a lot of this is that I tend to play a lot of games cap roto format leagues. So if you get, you know, 58 games out of Kawhi as a late second, that's actually kind of a positive for your team. Where if you get 58 games out of Kawhi in the second and head to head, if those fall on the wrong week, you're cooked. So it's a, it's and, a really different uh settings based approach i don't know that i would take those old guys if i played more head-to-head leagues i just happen to not be in many well and that's a that's a very good thing to end on is it really like i think our philosophies are probably based on what we normally play or what we what we've always played in the past like if you've always played in a points league you don't give a crap about field goal percentage 
free throw percentage, like you just don't care because right. it's a points league and it's not going to hurt you. But if you if you've grown up only playing roto leagues, then you know that you can't like absolutely tank two categories or even really one you don't want to. And if you play in a head to head league, you're like, I need to win five out of eight, you know, five out of eight or five out of nine categories and I, and I'm good. So it it really does come down to what you play and what you're used to. And like you said, I was drafting a head to head team in a roto draft because, <laughs> because I'm stupid. Um, but that's my philosophy is like basketball. My version of basketball is head to head. Yours is roto other guys. It's points. So, I mean, it's, it's, you just got to pay attention to what you're, what you're drafting in what format and, and what, what plan works best. Yeah, no doubt. And then with head to head, like it actually does pay off generally to be terrible at the things you're kind of not good at. At that point, you're just like, all right, well, I might as well just be the worst at this thing. There's no point in being like third from the bottom in free throws or whatever. If I'm going to tank this, I'm going to tank it all the damn way. Uh, but anyway, yeah, seriously, uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, and actually, thank you for the for inviting me to the the draft show too. I can do that now uh, verbally, face-to-face here. That really does... It, it's just... Uh, I'm to turn this into the mushy hour on the show, but like for someone like me who basically got into fantasy basketball by reading your stuff and then a couple years later, Bruce's stuff on Roto World in the early 2000s, it's pretty damn cool that you guys invited me on the draft show. show. So thank you for that. Thank you for taking time to come on Fantasy NBA Today. And good luck over the next... What is it? Seven and a half, eight days. That was the great Steve Alexander. You guys all know him as Dr. A. D-O-C-K-T-O-R-A on Twitter. Got to throw a K in there. I'm guessing that Dr. A without the K might have been taken, but I didn't, I forgot to ask. In any event, D-O-C-K-T-O-R-A on Twitter. Steve Alexander, huge thank you again. He's come on this show now two or three years in a row, and I need to, as I've said a thousand times, do a better job of getting in touch with all of these incredible analysts throughout the the regular season. It's going to be a little bit better this year. I've said this before. I'm going to be a little bit better this year, and then I think I'm going to be a lot of bit better next year. I have this pie in the sky, these dreams next year where our younger child will probably be in school for oh, four or five hours a day, and then the older one is there for a full day. And when that type of stretch emerges and I can legitimately reach out to a guest and say, hey, do you have any time in this five-hour block? I think some of them will fit. Finally. Finally. I like talking to these guys. Really good folks. We talked to a lot of, uh, of the analysts over at Roto World on the show this year. Jonas, Jared, Strout, Dr. A. They do good stuff over there. Again, it's, you know, it's what we all basically grew up reading on this. Uh, another shout-out to the Brewski 150, which dropped over the weekend. Forgot to mention that towards the beginning of the show. Slipped in a little something there in the middle. The Brewski 150 is now officially in the Fantasy Pass, so almost all of you have access to it. It is unreal. And you heard Brew talk about it on Friday's show. He has, like, 20 to 25 targets, and, like, a dozen of them aren't even being drafted. These are guys that... Other analysts just completely whiffed on. Myself included. I don't see these things. You guys know me. I generally advocate a draft strategy of taking the base hit. We do a lot of baseball metaphors this time of year. We're taking the base hit in every round 
as far as you can go. And if you get a base hit in every round, you're probably going to have a pretty damn good team. Although, remember, this season, I have been pushing a little bit more towards taking some big hacks in the 5th, 6th, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, earlier than usual. Typically, in Roto, I say start taking hacks like late 6th, early 7th. This year, uh, I think you start taking them 4th and 5th. And then head-to-head, you got to go a little bit later because you really got to get those guys out on the court. Head-to-head... You know, you have to be so much more cutthroat with your cuts. You can't have guys that are injured. I just, uh, then you got to get, you're, you're at the whim of the injured list tag on all these different websites. Just kills me. I like Roto so much more. I'm in a couple of head-to-head leagues with friends, typically, that, you know, most of us call them the home leagues. And those are fine. We'll keep those going as long as we can because everybody wants to beat their friends and in fantasy. I just, I'd still would rather beat all my friends in Roto. I just, I hate to have the, the, all of our hard work obliterated in like two days. And I always think back two years ago is the one that now sticks in my head the most. I had just the most dominant team in a head to head league. And I lost my two best players for like the first four days of a playoff matchup. And that was it. One of them was Trey Young. He's unbelievably durable. He missed like no time that whole season. And the, the three games he missed was right in the middle of the playoff week where I needed him. I think Zach Levine had COVID or something during that stretch. And three other guys got hurt. So I couldn't even, like I had four moves. I couldn't even drop all the guys that got injured that one week. It just sucks. And it's not even necessarily all silly season. Like Trey Young could have gotten an ankle tweak any week. In any event, this this promo ended up turning into me complaining about head-to-head leagues. Uh, go get the Brewski 150. It's in the Fantasy Pass. That's just $5.99 a month for the season. That's nothing. We all waste so much more than that every month. Make yourself one coffee at home. You save $5.99 that month. Make yourself one lunch at home. Probably save 15 bucks that way. It's so, so easy. Everybody's like, oh, I don't have six bucks a month in your budget. Sure you do. Sure you do. And the B-150 has, this could be the tidal wave here. There's just so many names this season. And I don't know if it was player movement, because there wasn't that much player movement this year. There's just like been a shakeup in the way the NBA operates. You've got some old guys getting a little older. You've got some young guys moving into the, the spotlight. You've got some stat set things going on where perception doesn't equal reality. Follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter or me. I'll be retweeting it at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Uh, and go get yourself a B-150 today. I've also been informed by the great Andre that the Ethos Listener Leagues, which I thought were going to close off on Saturday, had so many people reach out over the weekend. There were like 50 of you over the weekend that asked into leagues. We did not expect that type of last-minute response that now we're trying to to create wait lists, and anytime a wait list gets to 10 or 11 teams, we're going to open up a new one. So you still do have this tiny little baby-sized window. If you want to join an Ethos League, reach out on Twitter at Dan Bespris or email roster at sportsethos.com. Get on the wait list if, that, if there's one forming for the kind of league you want. We got head-to-head, roto, cash-free, whatever. We'd love to keep opening up more. I mean, if you guys are interested, we'll keep doing it. Taking it to the streets. The streets being uh, Twitter right now. We'll talk to you guys over on social media. Thanks again to Steve. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you all tomorrow.